Oh, forgot to hit record, so they don't get to hear about my sleep cycles. Well, I've got it all recorded, my friend. Don't you worry. How will the listeners go on with their lives? Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm here, really, (laughs) to hear about your sleep schedule. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. The rest is all just frosting on the cake, so... Yeah, I mean, talk about a classic film. You know, who needs that? Nobody. About me. Nobody. Me, baby. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, classic film. So we're going to talk about Bonnie and Clyde today. It's something I realized, Mike, I think I think this is the first Blu-ray I ever bought. I have had this really? for quite a long time. I posted a picture of it on our social media, and you can see it's like that old kind of, uh, like, clip-connected... <laughs> Hmm. blu-ray that they have not made in a very very long time so was this a uh you know some sort of achievement for bonnie and clyde you know i didn't have enough accolades did you say you know what my first one they finally made it mike (laughs) arthur penn finally made it or did it just just work out that way that you just happened to be like i've not i don't own that so well (laughs) well i think it was one of those um the first ones i kind of rebought because i had it on dvd years ago and it was a movie that there was a time when, you know, if you asked me what my favorite, like, classic movie was, like, this was on the list. This was in, like, top five territory. And, you know, some of that is the movie itself. Some of that is because of knowing all the behind scenes stuff, reading, you know, reading books on, you know, that particular Oscar race, which was kind of very important uh, in kind of the history of how things change and kind of the new Hollywood that was... uh sprouting up outside of the studio system um so it kind of holds a special special place in my heart so there was a time when i had watched it a lot but this time it had been i mean at least five or six years since i had seen it so it was like a a different experience there's always a different experience when there's movie you've watched a lot versus a movie you take these big breaks from and then come back to it's it's one of the reasons why rewatch movies honestly it's like sometimes if you're at a different point in your life or a different point and you have more context, it changes. Tenet. Like Tenet. Absolutely. Go ahead and apologize to Christopher Nolan. I'm sorry, Mr. Nolan. I know. I know you've, you made like $500 million on this new movie, but I know you need my (laughs) acceptance. So I will tell you now again, Chris Nolan has never made a bad movie, even though Tenet I thought was when I first saw it. I now think it's, it's in there. It's a good movie. It's not his best. It's lower tier Nolan. But it's still very, it's still very fun. It's a good time, much like Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I don't, I don't really see it with uh, <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde, and I never, never really have. I think this is mm. like the third time I watched it. I'm pretty sure I watched it. When I was a teenager or something, sure. you know, chasing down. So that that would have been, you know, not Dave's, you know, high quality uh, version. It would have been like a VHS copy, Ooh. and um, yeah, like I. Don't remember my initial reaction, uh, which mm-hmm. probably says something. Yes. Um, but I did, uh, an, you know, one my, my first podcast, War Machine versus War Horse. I think this is like one of the first five episodes we did. Mm. So clearly, I was like amped up, like, all right, let's you know, let's let's, let's go back this. to this. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I can I can speak to that time because that was uh, almost ten years ago. And this time, uh, it's a little dry mm. for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's you know Arthur Penn's direction there's definitely sequences i really like but i don't know if it's the sequences that are going to be on afi's <laughs> you know 100 scenes 100 thrills i mean you um, gotta like the opening the opening's pretty good Maybe. well you know the the one i think about is <laughs> warren Beatty berating this 
uh, you know, gas station worker they recruit to be a getaway driver <laughs> when he tries to parallel park the car before. <laughs> it's a know, great they, moment. They, what are you doing? You are the getaway. I, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's my, my love of going to the movies that after, and that, that's the sequence where they, they kill for the first time, or mm-hmm. at least, you know, that we see. Um, yeah. But I, I take it as such. Yes. Uh, because Warren Beatty's performance um, seems to be like, okay, yeah, for the guy that's like, I'm a bank robber, so I do. This is a step that he's never taken, and right. he's, you know, he's he's looking at it like this is we've sealed our fate. Mm-hmm. I mean, while you've got Faye Dunaway, and then this whole argument's taking place in the theater. She's just into the fucking movie, and she's like, "Hey, if you're gonna talk, can you take it outside? Like, I'm kind of trying to do something here." It's a great so moment. that that I, I reveled in. Um, but going back to Beatty, even though I like that sequence, uh, I was going to ask you. Have you ever really taken to him as a performer? Because I think that's part of why mm. I've never really fallen for this movie. Is I've, I've never thought of Warren Beatty as like, ooh, that guy. That's, I mean, incredibly handsome, but I don't yeah. think I think of a single role where I'm like, man, he was fantastic in that. Well, I mean, <laughs> I agree and disagree with you. I agree with you in the sense that in most things, I... I agree. Like, I think I only, you only know him as the guy who fucked his way through Hollywood. Like, that's, that's what he's, which is good. Not for nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good for you, buddy. We appreciate you. Um, but this is the role. This is the one that I'm like, oh, there's something actually there. Like, I. Not Shampoo, where he's playing a version of him, of himself. Uh, which he's is playing himself. Iconic. That is an enjoyable movie. I don't know if it's a very good performance for a more it works for me. If I have to pick one, that's what yeah. I'm picking. I mean, that's like uh, that's like me getting on screen and playing a sarcastic asshole. Like, that's not a performance anymore. That's just you being you and the cameras happen don't, to be rolling. Don't tell our listeners. They enjoy it every week. Oh, yeah. It's a bit, I swear. <laughs> um, so I think this movie, which I believe was also produced by Beatty, like he threw his own money behind this. Which is where I think he's actually stronger. I think he's a very strong filmmaker. I don't know if yes. he's a very strong performer. Yes. So the thing I like about this is the kind of the radical nature of this. Like you you have, you know, a one of the best looking men in the world at this point in your lead role. Sure. Yourself. Good yeah. for you. Casting yourself in that role. Um, but you have a man who can't get it up. You have a man who um, who struggles in every sense of the word, other than his good looks. Even even the sex part, he struggles with. Like he he looks Dave, like everything that should he be. Ain't no lover boy now. <laughs> that's no what you're looking boy. for. Keep walking, Faye. Yes, exactly. And I also like how radical this movie is in the sense that if you put it in context, in what 1967 when this movie came out, this is so overtly sexual. For the time, like not only the opening where she's essentially naked, you see the shape of her body through the kind of fogged window, um, which is like kind of shocking for an opening scene in any movie. It it, it harkens me back to, you know, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's you know, you don't see that but, very often. Even butt now, shot. the butt shot. To say? Yes, that is correct. It's an audio medium, and, Dave. We have to let them know. <laughs> Sorry. The butt shot in Lost in Translation. Is that is if that we better? Doing a YouTube yeah. show, just I would have that in the top up. corner, just <laughs> over my face that's fine yeah. yes <laughs> and then it would um, sit there for the rest of the conversation hey you know there are there are worse punishments um talking about gene hackman so... <laughs> so ass. that's right that's right so you you have that and uh then you have the sequence where they first meet and 
it is not subtle in its imagery. I mean, she's literally running her finger along the edge of his gun, which is a, the kind of standard phallic object. The way she's eating and drinking in that scene is very overtly sexual. And I remember seeing this as a teenager being like, Jesus, I, this is not what I expect when I expect when I watch classic film, right? You expect things a little more muted. You think of things like the code and all that. And obviously this isn't during that time, but this you is think not of tasteful. That. <laughs> what are they doing? Here? I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I kind of like that it is pushing against the boundaries of what people in the sixties would call good taste, uh, appropriateness. And I, I think you're right that that is Beatty's first kill, by the way, because I think the movie completely doesn't matter if it's not because uh, you see the look on his face and the the violence is shocking even now because it is a gunshot to the face. This is not something you're removing yourself from. And it's very important in the film because Bonnie and Clyde are not out to hurt people. They're out to, like, take money from the system. There's a wonderful scene later on where they're robbing a bank and a guy is taking his money out. And <laughs> Clyde asks him, is that yours or the bank's? He says, it's mine. He's like, okay, take your money. And then he steals everything else. Like, that is an important part of this is it's a shot at the system. Even in the very beginning when you talk about the bank taking this guy's house and you see Bonnie and Clyde really genuinely feel bad for this man. This is not, these are not selfish people only out for themselves, right? I think this movie is, you know, putting that lesson out that like, this is about the system. This is about the government, not about the people. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's what I do like about that is while they have a um, sort of code or philosophy that they're working within, they're also just young and, dumb oh yeah I mean, they're they're thrill seekers uh this is not uh the chris pine movie with jeff bridges which came out what like seven years ago yeah. which was the you know the sort of modernized version of this i mean i don't think ben foster is a uh, fade dunaway not quite um <laughs> <laughs> sorry but, sorry mr foster you're just not on that level i <laughs> those characters have a very specific point financially they're getting to and why they're taking revenge against the banks this yes i i think given the the setting of the depression and everything uh, there is that, but you also can't remove that, you know, Faye Dunaway. She's into it, she's, man. <laughs> well, she's looking at, you know, what I guess the, the system has sort of wrought as far as this is what my future uh, involves, which is a somewhat thankless mm -hmm. life. And so she gets in the car. And it is interesting that there are multiple times where, you know, Warren Beatty's version of this character is like, yeah, we, I can... And get you, take you back home. Nope. Like this is, you know, <laughs> and yeah, it's not even a consideration for her. It's like even under threat of death, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I think I'll still do this as opposed to going back to that, that small town and that sort of right. isolation and loneliness where effectively you, I mean, you bring up in that sequence, while it is very sexual, uh, if you remove that right before she runs off with Warren Beatty, you can kind of fill in the blanks as far as what her life would be. Mm. Um, and it's just something that would not be of any sort of note or interest to anyone else, including herself. Right. So Faye Dunaway, on the other hand, um, I'm definitely playing into my, my tropes of the show. I've, I found she gave a fine performance. I'm I don't sure know what you did. Doing. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I wonder why that is exactly. Um, so this, so I'm going to say something, and this may be because, as you know, I'm in the middle of reading Zodiac, the book by Robert Graysmith, mm -hmm. that the fantastic, one of the greatest of all time movies is based on. And they kind of talk about for the serial killer that the act of killing is the sexual act. 
And there's a lot of this here in in the bank. I think for Clyde, that's that's what he's into. That's the thing that gets him off. And she gets hyped because of it. I think she clearly gets aroused and turned on because of it. But she needs that release. And it, and that interaction where those two things cross is so interesting to me. Where he's like, no, this is enough for me. I'm really, <laughs> I'm good, actually. And she's like, no, no, I need to, I need to actually do the act. I need to finish this. And, and it's the sex interesting. part of the sex, <laughs> yes. sir. I don't know. That's a wild and crazy notion. <laughs> crazy. And I find it interesting. The only time they, they do have sex is like it's tinged with anger. It's tinged with aggression. But then after he has to, he has to be reassured. Did it, did I do okay? Did it, did I do good? And then the mask goes back up as soon as she says, Which is yes. interesting. He's like, he I knew Beatty. it. I knew it. I knew I was great. <laughs> Warren Beatty playing that, um, you know, it is a difficult climb yes. for an audience to accept. Like, first off, especially Baby, when you look like that, like, good gracious, yes. <laughs> with with a uh, as Dave is famous for saying in and on a podcast, uh, a case of the old impotence for for uh, <laughs> uh, Warren, <laughs> Warren wait, Beatty. Which podcast was that? Oh, that it was, was it pop was, culture case. Study. Yeah, and it was uh, the uh, Guillermo del Toro movie the devil's right? backbone i think you said that actually <laughs> as i recall and i remember dying laughing during the edit i don't know if anyone else enjoyed it but that was a that was a joke for dave this is the episode where we just cite old podcasts yeah if you have good. an interest in them you can't find you them. you can't They're find gone. it it's gone forever sorry you missed your shot it is syndication time for dave and i as we just play the old hits um yeah i mean that's i i do like that that sort of dichotomy someone as beautiful as warren Beatty, like removing uh him as a sort of all the sexual objects that mm-hmm. he probably had played up to that point um i've never seen was it splendor in the grass is that his first big and where he is you know he's going to be as far as for the youth market what uh people aspire to look like or be with um and i i do respect that he you know, he clearly like sort of chafed at that notion. He was always looking for some other mm-hmm. direction, something better. Um, you mentioned uh, the Mark Harris book, Pictures mm-hmm. at Revolution. God, it's so good. By the way, if it's anyone excellent. if anyone is interested in in film books, like just read anything by Mark Harris. The man, like I'm truly envious of his brain. He's a genius. I haven't like, read the uh, Mike Nichols one, which came out. Yeah, me neither. Years ago, I read that one um, and and Five Come Back. Like that. Yes, yeah, great, great. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, the pictures at revolution in particular, uh, is interesting cause he, he takes the sort of good with the bad. He, he mm-hmm. focuses on that year and it's like, here's what like old Hollywood, was here's here fucking Dr. Doolittle or whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and here are the ones that we're going to, you know, tear down the system mm-hmm. ever so briefly until, um, you know, I don't know, Jaws came along or w- mm-hmm. whatever film we saw Jaws or Star Wars, as far as resetting it. And now we have a new studio system. system with, uh, with comic book movies. So. Good job. Everybody. I thought you were going to say with no actors or writers, so that's a hell of a way to you know to go to try that with Jesus, robots. You idiot. Brian Cranston will rant about. <laughs> <laughs> but we haven't gotten to uh, I think what you ultimately want to talk about, which is Gene uh, Hackman. Gene Hackman. Yeah, yes. baby. Yeah. All right. So go ahead. The floor is yours. All right. So I'm always amazed by by actors like this who just apparently came out of the womb at 40 years old. Like he just has looked old, mm-hmm. and he was in his 30s in this. He was not a 20 something year old actor. He started late in Hollywood, but I was really... aged very poorly yeah. in his youth, and then I was, yeah, well. was going to say, did he? <laughs> I 
from like 30 to 80 kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of fun um i love his performance here i think it's i think it's uh you know i think he was nominated for an academy award and deservedly so one of the things i was really impressed by and tessa actually mentioned it while we were watching it is the accent work by by him and Beatty. If you tell me these two men are brothers, man, you got some work to do. One <laughs> <laughs> yes, of them, yes, one of is. them won the genetic lottery, and one of them, God bless him, is Gene Hackman. One so. of them has m- more than a, a right to go out and kill people. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, the world. God, why is life so unfair? Why do I look like this? Um, but when you see the two of them together and they're talking quickly back and forth, and the accent work is solid, or even if it's not accurate. They sound similar enough that you immediately are like, okay, they're absolutely brothers. I get it. And he is, uh, he's dealing with a wife that let's say is not the most calm individual in the movie. It is Del Parson. She really goes for broke in this movie. I don't know if I love that performance or hate it. I haven't decided it's, but it is a lot. <laughs> so. You know, not going to surprise you, I think, Dave. Not for me. Not, <laughs> yeah, that that is not a surprise to the least. Not my tempo. A symbol is going to be thrown at your head, Estelle Parsons. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Estelle not Parsons, who I think became the grandma on Roseanne down the line. That's that's all I really know her from. That tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think Gene Hackman is kind of the the secret weapon of this movie. I think if it's just just Bonnie and Clyde the whole time, if you don't have the Barrow gang involved. I think their shtick gets really old really quickly. So you have to have other people to bounce this off of and other people to get excited about the things that they're doing or scared about the things they're doing. And I think that works. And I don't think it's a um, it's just chance that Estelle Parsons, the person who is not Mike's tempo, is the one who kind of gives away the game <laughs> to the to the cops. <laughs> There she is, being a fool again. A blind what fool. A, what a blabbermouth. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting about this is in some ways it adheres to the studio rules, right? There was, you know, back in the day there was a rule like you could show criminals. You could show criminals having a good time, enjoying their crimes, but they got to die. They got to die at the end. And you have that here. And, of course, you have history to kind of back this up. But you still have this. But I think – there's no choice in this movie but to root for Bonnie and Clyde. There's no one on the other side that you're like, well, he's really – he's doing the right thing. He's, he's a good man. That, no. This is not, you know, Kevin Costner playing a lawman. This is – we are going to hide in the bushes and riddle them with bullets every ch- – there's never a scene where they're like, stop in the name of the law. There's none of that. They just open fire. Even when they catch them sleeping, they're just like, yeah, just shoot them. Like, you could just come up and handcuff them. They're asleep. <laughs> it's fine. So well, I mean, you definitely root for the criminals here. There's, I mean, absolutely, you know, it's rage uh, at the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the chutzpah for these, these two youths, these Roman youths, <laughs> to try to dismantle what's clearly working in the country, right? Oh, Probably yeah. No problem at all. The banks love it. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's probably not actually working for the police officers, but, you know, they... They've decided to have a profession that protects the system, so it's like you know mm-hmm. they. We just got to do it. We just we just have to kill. And I mean, I would stay my hand if if not for Beatty, you know, Faye Dunaway. Yes, uh, Miss Parsons probably shot. I probably that's <laughs> and then after that, I'm like, do I? Can I continue? Can I live with this guilt? No, Miss Dunaway, I cannot. Uh, so you 
will go off to life in the uh, in the cellar, and that's fine. <laughs> but she um, <laughs> <laughs> so the pokey or something. The I, don't, I don't know. Pokey, what, yeah, that's good. What, good, good use of period time. Period. Period. Yes, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's kind of go to. It's something I thought about. Um, you know, I've I've said okay, this has always been kind of dry for me. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have to, not only with the help of uh, Mister Harris and his great book, uh, try to reframe it. And I think I even tried to do that when I was a teenager and watched this. Um, that the violence would have been genuinely shocking, shocking. at that that oh my time. God. Yes. And so I'm going to ask you, how do you think? So for younger viewers, people maybe in their twenties, or they're just whatever, or they're <laughs> They're a 25-year-old-looking Gene Hackman who looks like they're 40. <laughs> Stumbling upon this you know, Blu-ray or maybe a 4K edition, but probably not because yeah. tangible media is going away. Yep, everything. Um, what do you think the, the use of today? Because this was a film aimed at the use of the late 60s. Sure. What do you think they would uh, surmise from this? Can, can they appreciate it? Can they enjoy it? Is it just going to be purely like sort of intellectual if they're film fans? Mm. Or if you just stumbled across this on you know TCM, which is probably a bad example because if you're watching TCM, <laughs> That's going away you too. probably are into <laughs> it. So I don't know. If it was on TNT, for some reason TNT was really digging back in the archives and someone just stumbled across this, what do you think their response would be? I would love to tell you, Mike, that they would be like, no, I'm just this is amazing. I'm sitting down, putting all the chores away, and I'm focusing on this. Like, I don't do 25-year-olds have chores? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, posting on Instagram? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Responding but, to DMs? But I think, I think if, again, we've talked about this a thousand times when it comes to classic film. If you don't have the context, I think there's some things in this movie that are going to hold up okay there's the you know i think having these two beautiful people on screen is going to hold attention always like there is a shot of (laughs) warren Beatty like standing kind of around the corner as she's in the bed and like i literally said to tessa like that is a man who knows how good looking he is like that he is posed in such a way so there's beautiful things to look at here i think I think the violence, I think the violence at the end is still a tiny bit shocking, but it's not like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. I think we've been ruined by movies like RoboCop, you know what I mean? Where it's like literally thousands of bullets into one body and that was shocking then. And now I don't know if that is either, but I think if you have the context and you understand that like before this, you didn't really show gunshot wounds. And if you did, it was quick, like that first shot when he's in the car trying to escape. So mm-hmm. I think I think it works in the sense of the build in this movie. Like, I think if you're into it from the beginning, the build of violence, it's kind of like a standard action in that action movie in that way, where you want the action sequences to build on one another and to end with just a phenomenally large sequence. And I think you get that here on smaller scale because it starts smaller scale. So it's one of those, if you're into it from the beginning, yes, if you just happen upon it in the middle of it, I don't think... I don't think it's going to hold a 25-year-old's attention. Like, that would be my guess. Maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) And a 25-year-old film fan? Yeah, like someone who's really, like, they spend a lot of time watching movies and they've seen movies from this era and before, of course. But just like a random, normal person who doesn't watch 300 movies a year? Eh, probably not. So what is the best um, film that sort of owes its, uh, you know allegiance to the the bonnie and clyde kind of pairing and because we've seen mm. you know I, I would say like the one that i have the most distaste for 
which makes me like a fuddy-duddy, like <laughs> I was reading some of the response. Like the New York Times, uh, at the time of this film's relief, uh, release, called it a cheap piece of bald-faced slapstick comedy that treats the hideous <laughs> depredations of that sleazy, moronic pair as though they were as full of fun and frolic as the Jazz Age cut-ups and thoroughly modern Millie. Uh, wow! Then, uh, <laughs> this critic from the New York Times uh, started a campaign against the film for uh, increasing the brutality uh, in American cinema. All that being said, um, we're chuckling at this guy. <laughs> I kind of felt that way when uh, Natural Born Killers came out. Mm. Uh, now, I was only like 12, so I should have been like ready to go. I should have been into it. And I remember thinking, like, is this, this is kind of a bit much, right? This is kind of... <laughs> It's a lot, isn't it? It's like it is. kind of distasteful, and I, I, you know, just ugly, and uh, you know, that's. I think that's what you're talking about as far as like having the two beautiful people. And mm-hmm. while yes, this does Woody Harrelson the, rank? <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> if you listen to my co-host on Sober Cinema, Hiro, who has like this weird crush on him where he like walks right up to the line to talk about that he, he thinks he's kind of handsome but then pulls back before he allows him. he talks about his uh uh sun-kissed tan that he has <laughs> and that like you know like there's <laughs> there's all these little sort of coded words where i'm like just fucking say it just say you you, you like what you see what's mr harrelson i'm not gonna say he's he's warren Beatty. um maybe my co-host would but just not for me um <laughs> I don't know if, like, it, there's a lot of them that feel like this is, like, or in their reviews would be, like, you know, a Bonnie and Clyde-like pair. Sure, sure. But since this is the one that keeps being mentioned, has there been a film that's even come close? I mean, it's it's definitely a trope as far as lovers on the lamb, but only one I can think of is, like, you know, Thelma and Louise, and they're not lovers. Okay. Uh, but they're just I mean, iconic. It, they are, but I think there's an undercurrent of queerness in that movie, for sure. I think if it's made now... Well, then there's... I hate it because they didn't get down to business. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, I could ruin anything for you. Like, God there... damn it, dude. <laughs> uh, so there's, there's a couple movies I think of. Thelma and Louise is one of them. An all-time classic, and now... Uh, on the Criterion Collection, by the way. So As now, just a few months ago, right? Yeah, yeah, just got added, so that's great. Um, true, speaking of our friend Hyro, True Romance, I think, is is another one. And I think the that better one, version of Natural Born Killers? Yeah, like, oh, and not by a little bit. Like, <laughs> Did you know that that was originally one script? That, that tracked? Uh, I didn't know that, but that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that the uh, Natural Born Killers was what... Um, the Clarence character played by Christian Slater sort of imagined their lives to be. Uh, really, they're just, they're just kind of fuck ups. They're just the fuck up versions. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes, that's what I absolutely. like. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think this movie veers a little bit um, later in the movie, but I think Heather's is also another, another version of this. And I think, I so think wait, it, you're saying get Christian Slater and you'll have a modern yeah, exactly. version. <laughs> and you know, as much as I love this movie and classic film, if I'm sitting around and I got to choose between those three movies, I, I, I think that's the third choice. <laughs> I think just in terms of fun and you know enjoyment, mm-hmm. I think I think maybe it's a better movie than Heather's. I think Heather's is more fun. Um, Thelma and Louise, though, I think. I'm glad it's getting um, 
it's getting people to think about it more deeply now than it was then. Then it was just like, it, much like our newest Barbie, it's anti-man. It's really out to get us. And I'm like... Crazy broads. Yes. What will they do next? <laughs> yes, exactly. How dare they react badly to almost being raped? How how could you possibly pull a gun at that point? But I think now it's, it's being kind of reappraised as a classic. And I agree. I think it might be better than Bonnie and Clyde. Um, especially when you take out the context of, you know, of fighting against the studio system, you just place them side by side. I think, I, th- I think I'm going with Gina Davis. Like, I, I mean, I am because I would, uh, you know, fix the wrongs of Warren Beatty as an on-screen presence and say what you were designed, what you were born to do was to play the Brad Pitt scamp role in Delman Louise. The himbo and the then, dummy. Yeah. Yeah. And Gene Hackman. Gets to be the lead in Bonnie and Clyde. We don't care how he's aged. Doesn't he, matter. He's got, the, he's got the charisma. He's got the... And you know what? <laughs> the audience wouldn't mind if he was impotent because we're like, yeah, I don't... That's okay. We'll just drive around and have some fun. Maybe they're just really close friends. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like in Thelma and Louise, Dave. Uh, just like in uh, that. <laughs> I don't like I'm that. Serious. I'm here to ruin I, things. I, I, don't, I don't like this sex scene that was left on the cutting room floor or that was never written i'm not a fan yeah ridley scott what a fucking hack that guy is no courage we're gonna make a good movie i mean yeah jesus christ can you just give us like a few isn't that the thing this is like you know we're kind of probably in the in the after show if 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 we're using this isn't that funny like when ridley scott catches hell it's like he's made so many movies that people forget he has probably at least three genuine classics, classics. like all timers. And then so it's when he brings. I mean, what another, are they? They're Alien, Blade Runner, Thelma and Louise. Is yes, that, those, yeah. are, those are. I yeah. think those are the three like easily. Yeah, um, and that's what I'm getting into. If you pull up his filmography, it's like I'm sure there are things where people are like, oh no, this is my favorite, and I would be totally. like, yeah, I could, I could see it. But he comes out with who doesn't love Legend, alien, Mike? I mean, uh, Dave. <laughs> all right. He comes out with another alien movie, and people are like, what is with this guy? Like, can he just not make something good? Like, what's he doing here? And it's it's just, like, decades of just greatness. And if you come out with one franchise yeah. film that doesn't hit the mark, fuck you. It is, you know, it's Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? This is, nobody gives a shit about your latest alien <laughs> nonsense. I was just, I was just thinking about this, because I just... You know, I was just thinking about like what are what are his classics, and you know what? I might throw the last duel in there. Oh, I think, okay. So you're I think going with something recent then? That's that's my number four. It's Alien, Blade Runner, Thelma and Louise, Last Duel. Like that's my top four. Ridley Scott. After that, Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut, I think is pretty fucking great. Um, you know, and you know, and but then you throw in stuff like Gladiator and The Martian and say, Black Rain, GI Jane, like. There's good Most stuff people, here. The general public would probably have Gladiator as one, and until he's, I think, now filming or was filming a sequel into production <laughs> shutdown or a prequel, something right. of that nature. Uh, you know, decades from now, are people going to reappraise the counselor, Dave, or no? I think, I think, you know, there's already some fucking weirdos who have reappraised it and say, actually, this is this mm. is a five star movie, and that movie is not as bad as people made it out to be, but it's not good <laughs> it's not it's not on that level for sure but gladiator i think if you asked me around 2000 i think that would be a lot higher i remember really enjoying that but i think it suffers on rewatch and 
over time, uh, I prefer the nice guys version of Russell Crowe to the gladiator version of Russell Crowe, personally. I'm going to throw Matchstick Men out there. That's one that I actually you really, know, watch and really like. You want to get mad? Nicholas Cage. Never that? seen oh, no. it. Never oh, seen no. it. Oh, no. Never seen now it. Now I'm hoping that the review Yeah, maybe, bad, maybe it's so 63%. Feature... 82. Ah, too good. <laughs> too good. Not interested. You know, we could always start a feature on the show, Dave, where it's like your first time watch. Like you've missed a classic. You know, I'm just saying. Man, we could always yeah, we can do something I, like that. I feel like I have a show about that exactly called your list my command that's the whole point of that show but i i make the list you see that's the difference. oh okay so my list my command that's, that's yes, yes i just fucking tell you what to do this is mike's dream yes absolutely no i'm not that's fine we could do that well that's that i have a follow-up question for that uh, adulterous uh, show that you're involved with. It's back, baby. Men, did Matchstick Men make, didn't make the list. It did not. Like 100 movies. This will, this will make you feel better, Mike. I have to take a movie off of my list for that show for okay. this show. Because I have never seen Nashville, which we are planning on watching soon oh. on that. So I got to come up. Maybe I'll throw yeah. Matchstick Men in there. But I don't want to cheat on you like that. I feel like maybe I should save that one for you. Yes, I'm taking match. Okay, that's, all right. I'm, all right. That's I'm, I'm giving nothing. I'm. <laughs> I give no quarter. <laughs> I'm not a great podcast lover. It's it's all for me. I mean, it makes me feel wanted and desired, so that's good. No, this is for us, Dave. Yes, that's fine. That's fine. I'm down. So, so you had another another movie that we're possibly previewing that you may hear six months from now. But what you will actually hear, and we've yes. been mentioning it on a few episodes, is we're getting ready. As of we're turning off this recording, we're about to record on Two Night Stand, which is really the modern yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. When people think that of will... screen pairings. And I can't wait to see the numbers on that episode. I'm sure thousands. Miles Teller <laughs> is going to bring the pain. Yeah, just uh, tag it with Top Gun. We'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, you know I will. <laughs> 